Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. With the growing anxiety within our social climate, pastoral care has taken on a new meaning. Today we have with us Mark Moreland. He is the Minister of Pastoral Care at Central Bearden Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mark, thank you for joining us today. It's good to be with you this morning, Kevin. Uh, Mark, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, a couple significant things. Uh, I'm one of seven children. Oh, wow. Uh, my father was an Air Force pilot, mm. so I grew up in the environment of the Air Force. Yeah. Um, traveled. Uh, I was born in Sacramento, California, and I can tell you everywhere I lived by where my brothers and sisters were born, <laughs> which included England. And uh, my last my last stop with my parents was Okinawa. I went there my junior year of high school, which was a perfect time for me to get out of the country and see what the rest of the world looked like. So, uh, But I ended up back in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, I moved in with my grandmother uh, at the beginning of my senior year. We had just moved back from Okinawa to Georgia, and I just left my family in San Francisco, and I went to live with my grandmother. And I got very involved at First Baptist Church of Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and um, I had also had a a revival, renewal in my faith. Um, When I went to City High School that first day, Mm -hmm. uh, I connected with Campus Crusade for Christ, Hmm. and I had been hungry. Uh, I had grown up as a Boy Scout also, and I had worked hard for my God and Country Award. Never got the award, Hmm. but I learned what it was to have a quiet time, and I was very serious about reading the Bible and and was looking for something more in my faith. Mm -hmm. And I believe what I was looking for is what uh, we call discipleship. And so my senior year, I was quite uh, committed, Campus Crusade for Christ. 1972, June, I was in Dallas, Texas at an event called Explo 72, which was kind of in the middle of that Jesus movement time. And I went with three busloads of students from the Chattanooga area out to Dallas. And there um, committed my life to missions and ministry, whatever that might look like. My younger sister was there with me, and she made that same commitment. Still really didn't know what that would look like, Mm -hmm. uh, but came to the University of Tennessee as a freshman, Mm -hmm. uh, worked for the um, training table at UT. I I got to eat good food for four years at Gibbs (laughs) Hall when it was, you know, they had a thing called training table. But continued to be involved with Campus Crusade, involved with uh, Calvary Baptist Church here in Knoxville, and and uh, very involved also with a got involved with the nav- with the navigators ministry also, which was very intense yeah. about discipleship. Yeah. But uh, the other part of that time was First Baptist Church Chattanooga owned a camp, hmm. uh, Dogwood Lodge on Possum Creek in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. <laughs> so I spent four summers uh, serving at the camp while I was in college, and when I graduated from UT, I became the camp director and the youth minister at First Baptist Chattanooga. Oh. Because I, I felt a very particular call to youth ministry. Right. 
And in the third year of that time on staff at First Baptist, I met my wife, Doris. Uh, she was a Lake Junaluska singer, which is the big Methodist conference center. And she had come to Chattanooga to sing with the UT Mocks or the Singing Mocks. And we met and uh, got engaged. And a year later, uh, um, when she graduated from college, uh, we got married and we have uh, two children and they're both married and I have two grandchildren now. All right. So uh, life has been good. God has blessed. Uh, I was determined because I was a youth pastor most of that time, youth and recreation, usually a combination of those yeah. for mm, at least 15 years. Um, that uh, I was going to be really careful not to raise my kids like preacher's kids. Yeah. So, because I had been the pastor as a youth minister of several pastors, I was the, I was the youth pastor for, for kids of pastors. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, but discipleship was a real uh, key part to that. Just how do you do what we do in the church and make disciples. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always been a passion. That's always been a challenge to me. And uh, so my wife and I got married uh, just before I left Chattanooga and went to seminary. I went to Southern Seminary in Louisville and was there for three years, did the Masters of Divinity in Religious Education program. It was very new at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was leaving the ministry. I'll, I'll share this right now. Mm -hmm. I was leaving church, local church ministry when I went to seminary. I, I felt like uh, I would probably go to campus ministry or the mission field, one of those two. I, I just was, I was burnt out. Hmm. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I was burnt out, but I knew God was calling me to go to seminary. So we took those three years and the first summer of seminary, I ended up at Ridgecrest, North Carolina hmm. as the recreation director for a program called Centrifuge, oh, yeah. which was a giant youth camp. So Carson Springs is one of these places where I get away with nobody yeah. just to unwind and refresh, but it also brings back those roots of retreat centers and working around retreat centers. Right. Uh, so I worked uh, as recreation director one summer, and my wife was the music director. And then uh, we worked a second summer at Ridgecrest, and I was the camp director for Centrifuge that year. And uh, my wife was my administrative assistant hmm. during that summer. And so we, grad we graduated from seminary and left Centrifuge, and I went to Falls Church, Virginia, mm -hmm. to Columbia Baptist Church, which you say, well, you were leaving the ministry. Well, I was, but Columbia Baptist Church was a home missions church, mm -hmm. a foreign missions church, and a local church all wound up in one. Wow. And uh, we had an English as a second language program. We had a Korean congregation meeting within our walls, and we mm -hmm. had a Hispanic congregation meeting within those, within those walls. Mm -hmm. We had a full-time family ministry counseling program, and we also had a social <laughs> ministries office uh, across the parking lot and for Falls Church, Virginia, we actually were the yeah. agency in Falls Church City that did a lot of help with homeless and all of those issues. So that reignited me and gave me a vision for what a church could be at its fullest. Yeah. And so I was in Falls Church uh, a little over seven years. And I hope I'm not going too far, but I really never wanted to come back to the Bible Belt. Hmm. Now, that was another part of this. 
because I, I felt like in the Bible Belt, uh, there you could go to one church and they were doing the same service, the same order. It was just seemed like same-o, same-o. And everybody in the Bible Belt's a Christian, <laughs> or at least they, <laughs> they, they like. believe they are, or they've been inoculated in such a way right. <laughs> that evangelism is difficult yeah. or was difficult in yeah. the Bible Belt. But uh, somehow or another, uh, in my eighth, um, when I left seminary, I went to Columbia Baptist. And uh, the last year I was up there, a church from Knoxville came through our church to basically have a meal. It was a clown team Hmm. from Central Baptist Church of Bearden. And one of their seniors in high school came up to me and said, I hear you're thinking about coming to be our youth minister. (laughs) Well, I hadn't told anybody about that. I had not sent a resume to Central Beard. And I I actually swore when I graduated from UT, I would never live in Knoxville. Right. Oh, yeah. So never tell God what what you're going to do. That's right. But uh, make a long story short, uh, my wife and I and our two children moved to to Knoxville, Tennessee. It was uh, Halloween Eve. We left. (laughs) Northern Virginia and came back down to Knoxville, and I've been at I've been at Central Baptist Church over thirty years. Wow! So, something I wanted to ask you is, you said that uh, you had uh, six siblings, and so you we've moved around the world, and they were born in different places. So, where were you born at? I was born in Sacramento, California. Okay. My older brother was born there, then I was born there, and then we went to England, and my sister was born there, and we went to Waco, Texas, and another sister was born there, and then we went back to Sacramento, and I have a younger brother that's about <laughs> six, seven years old. He was born in Sacramento. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, well, you could brag it's you been you were born in England, and that would be kind of a neat thing. Yeah, I don't know. I just missed it. <laughs> I just missed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and, and, and I appreciate you sharing the, your story there, that I mean, I think that's that's pretty critical. Now, kind of going back, you said that there's that time that right before seminary that you just just feel kind of burned out. What what were the things that uh, maybe came together to make you feel that? I mean, was it was it your frustration about the church or or way things were being handled or you you were in a, in in the Bible Belt uh, at UT coming out of that? What was what was making you feel that you were you wanted to just not work in the church work anymore. Um, I felt like, and again, it was no, uh, the particular church, uh, First Baptist Chattanooga had a wonderful pastor, uh, wonderful things going on. I don't think there was much what I would call going outward. It was very inwardly focused experience. And my youth seemed to always want to come to the fun stuff. But when, like, I remember my very first retreat, mm. uh, we were coming up to somewhere in the Knoxville area, I had two kids show up for my very first retreat for them, and I had planned this pretty deep event with some outside help. And so I gave those two youth a choice. Do you want to go or wait till we have more? But that seemed to be the truth. Uh, It seemed like, uh, particularly with the young people, they they wanted to have fun and the Mm -hmm. recreation part of what I did. But when it came to discipleship and Bible study and going outward and... Uh, we actually had our first mission trip, first mm-hmm. youth mission trip uh, for that church was when I was their youth minister, mm-hmm. because I've always had a passion, perhaps because of Okinawa and moving around for going outward and doing missions. But I did not see that particular church as being particularly missional other than in giving, not a lot of volunteer going out. It just was frustrating to me. 
and I was tired. Yeah. And uh, I tell people I might have stayed there one more year if I had gone to rec lab that year. Hmm. Every year, I'll put this in now, Kevin, every year I would go to a conference in Florida that was at a retreat center with right. other ministers. And yes, I would learn skills, mm-hmm. but the worship time with those men and women mm-hmm. would just refuel me. And the same happened at Columbia Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there almost eight years. If I had been able to have a sabbatical at year seven, I really do believe I would have, I, I would have stayed there. But I was just totally wrung out like a rag. And I was having my quiet time, and I was—I've always been very disciplined about that time alone with the Lord. But uh, sometimes you need a little more time. So the church I serve now—they uh, honored when I came on staff. They honored my years of serving in in a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. So I started at Central Bearden with basically eight years. So they gave me that level of vacation. They didn't start me all over. And uh, after seven years at Central Bearden, I was eligible for for a sabbatical. So I've had four sabbaticals. Yeah, and uh, and, and those are critical habits. A lot of pastors don't get uh, to experience that, do they? No, they don't. Yeah, and uh, I would say even you know a week, a year, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, to just decompress, whether that be with other ministers in a retreat where you're not in charge or just like I do. I try to get up here twice a year for a couple days at Carson Springs and just read my Bible. I work on sometimes a project I just can't get focus on. And, uh, and my wife comes up with me, and we both read, and I hike, and I just totally <laughs> unwind. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll talk more about that here in just a little bit, too. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about pastoral care. Now, you're being, you've been in this position for how long at the church? I've been in the pastoral position, I think, officially uh, with some combination or another, almost 10 years. Okay. So what is now, for 10 years— I'm sure you've seen some sort of change, in, in especially in the last year. So what is, what's pastoral care like right now? Pastoral care right now is very challenging. Uh, I also have a passion about the unity and oneness of the body, and that's a challenge when you can't really meet together, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you can't be there. Um, I would say uh, the extreme of what I've done in the last, uh, well, since last March, I did a funeral service standing by a casket with a cell phone recording me doing what I normally do at the graveside with family. Wow. There was nobody from the family in the room with me. Hmm. And to not be able to hug, to not be able to go into the hospitals and hold someone's hand and pray with them or listen to them Hmm. is extremely frustrating. Uh, To be with families where they can't visit their loved one, Hmm. uh, which again, adds to that whole pastoral care. You're dealing with families. You're dealing with um, uh, children of senior adults that haven't been able to see their senior adult parent in months sometimes. So you're doing some grief and pastoral care in that that realm too. The, uh, The other part of that is I've been tested for COVID twice, and one was because I went to a funeral in Chattanooga. I did not conduct that when I was there as support, but right after that funeral, I got a notice from Chattanooga that there 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 were live cases of COVID. 
So I ended up being quarantined in my home for about 10 days till my test came back. And uh, that's happened twice. And the other case was I was counseling. I was doing premarital counseling with a couple. Mm -hmm. And we kept our distance, but it was hard to hear. It's hard to communicate with a mask on. So we were eight feet apart. I think we had plenty of distance, but they took their mask off while we were going through our counseling time and I took mine off and the yeah. next day he called me and said I've lost my taste oh wow I'm, I just went and got tested and I'm positive for COVID so I ended up being quarantined and having to miss about a week of church till my yeah. test came back again but again that personal counseling uh, the counseling with couples uh, for marriage counseling premarital counseling or even marriage counseling I've done I did one I counseled with one couple totally FaceTime and it worked okay, but there's sure. so much. Uh, when I'm with a couple, I watch how they touch each other. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching a lot of how they interact in my pastoral care responsibility. So to not be able to be live in the room with people is challenging. Yeah. When are people experiencing it? When we talk about this, uh, you hear this on the news and different places about people or they're facing a lot of anxiety, uh, suicide rates higher, uh, you know, they're, they're, people are depressed. I mean, we know that. We hear about it. Uh, and we, we, at a certain extent, probably all of us are facing a certain uh, level of anxiety and depression through this past year and even now. So what have you seen in, in just uh, caring for your congregation? I've seen, uh, of course, our church is larger. We have a, a, a large senior adult population that are at risk. Uh, but we have come back for live worship with limited seating and capacity. And to be honest, some of our older adults that are lonely, they don't care if they're at risk. They wear their masks. They come in. And uh, we've lost two or three of our, what I would call our lay pastoral staff. We've lost three that I can count on that. And and we've lost them because of COVID. The part of that that's difficult is we haven't been able to have services, the live services with at least two of these individuals to grieve together for our members to come together and see each other as well as family. There's a lot of, um, I guess I would say, added grief to that process. There's a closure process that we can't have um, like we did before COVID. Uh, the other part of that is we need to call each other more. I'm, get, I'm seeing a lot of FaceTime <laughs> burnout. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not quite burnout on it because I'd rather see a face than no face and hear a voice. But I'm also not threatened by media and when it works, I'm, I'm, we're blessed. We're blessed that we have some of these mechanisms to stream our services. I'm doing a daily devotional with the help of our staff. We rotate five days a week just so our members will see our faces. I wish we could see their faces yeah. while we're doing this. So we do have a number of Zoom classes going on mm-hmm. and Zoom options where we can see each other's faces. And... Um, that's really very important pastoral care to be able to do that. So, Bob, how about your pastoral staff? You have, there is, um, I can't remember the top of my head, six, seven, eight. You have eight, that or there are less, I can't remember now, that's on your staff. Uh, we have three of our pastoral, we'll call them our pastoral ministerial staff. I think three of us are half-time. Okay. I'm actually half-time now. 
I think there's three half time, and then we have five that are full time. Okay, I think okay. I've got that right. So how are they dealing with this? I mean, I know you all sit in staff meeting and talk about these, or you may. Uh, we were talking just a second a minute ago that uh, just trying to keep up with with them and encourage them. How what's that looked like? What has that been like? It's been very demanding uh, on all of the the staff. You you think of children's ministry, your youth ministry. It, again, all of them are comfortable, and we do have a person on staff that helps us with media and the use of media, and that's been very helpful. And I, I really, there's a lot of churches. You better find a college student or somebody <laughs> layperson in your church that can help you with that. Yeah. Uh, but again. I think we work as hard in terms of hours and physical energy and maybe even emotional energy, perhaps more, to do what we do broadcasting versus coming back in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last Wednesday night, we opened the building back up for our children's and youth programs. Um, Of course, no choirs. Some of those things, uh, well, we're waiting on those. But uh, again, um, most, I, I would say this, all of us have a family to go home to, which again, I, I work with a number of young adults, single adults, mm-hmm. and, and it's very, very hard. And you, they, one of them, I was talking with someone a week or two ago, it's, it's like, it's been so long since I've been touched. And so we need to be really sensitive to that in right. terms of depression, depression and mental health. Uh, we are going, uh, Kevin, I'll share this. We are about to finish it. We've assigned 10 families in our church to each minister to call every two weeks. So it basically means one phone call, contact with the church, somebody on our church role per day, five days a week. Right. So we're calling through our whole role, and we're not reaching everybody, but we're just calling not for anything other than to say, we're praying for you. Is there a way we can be specifically praying for you? We're not doing any kind of fundraiser. We're not doing anything. But we felt it very necessary for our church members to hear from church staff. Um, the other thing I would affirm, though, on that is um, I am blessed. Our, our deacon family ministry, uh, our deacons are calling yeah. and making contact uh, in incredible, amazing ways. Yeah. And there's a couple of our older adults. It's a, I almost always see them at the cemetery. They'll be over to the side, but they're physically present when we have a graveside. But this calling through the role is something that uh, most of us, if, if we're a bivocational or part-time, we're going to have to have that pastoral team that uh, maybe we pray with and <laughs> come together in a room to pray and have some some support ourselves, some community for ourselves. Yeah. But then we can go out of that and, and reach out to our members. So how how's the staff at your church doing as far as their families? Are they coping well with all this? I think so. Overall, uh, again, most of our staff have uh, uh, adult parents that are struggling health-wise, and so uh, we pray for each other and we're with each other. I'm trying to think how many of our staff have had parents who've gotten uh, COVID or mm-hmm. had to be, again, quarantined. Uh, my second mom, I called her one time, and she she told me, I haven't been able to answer the phone. I'm so tired of being in this one place. Oh. And uh, she said, you caught me on a good day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and she lives in Dallas, Texas, so oh. I can't really go to her front yard very easily. 
fortunately, I have other siblings in the, the neighborhood, but they all come to her porch. They, they have not been in her house since March. They, they, ha- they meet out on the driveway because she's, she's actually has an oxygen, the oxygen tube. She's just very fragile. So she says, but I'm so frustrated to not get out of this environment. So multiply that across your members and, and, and your neighborhood. Um, I'll share this. I, I had a conversation. Well, I've had lots of conversations with neighbors. The other one of the positive things about COVID is I've met more of my neighbors walking the streets mm-hmm. since March many of whom I probably never would have seen, yeah. but they're getting out to walk the streets. And I've had a chance to have some pretty personal conversations oh, with yeah. some of my neighbors. Yeah. So I would also encourage us and encourage our members to walk by, wave at their neighbors. Uh, this is still a time to share the gospel and maybe those less in-your-face kinds of ways right. for sure. Well, and, and people are still searching. I mean, yes. it's not just COVID. COVID just just one of the other elements of all that we've experienced in the last uh, year and and so you know we've we we're hoping that we're over the hump of this and on the downside we hope and uh and i i know that people are very anxious and i can tell uh with us as far as just people calling one to bring their groups here and stuff that makes me think that uh people are they're, they're kind of thinking the same terms. And so hopefully they'll not be too big of a hurry. So still be safe, but we'll still be able to get through this. Now, I ask this question a lot of times, but we're, we can't predict the future. What do you think it's going to be like in two years or five years? How has this really changed us, do you think? Well, um, I do think uh, I've talked to a number of other pastors and uh, by broadcasting their services, they've been able to connect with members that have not been able to come to their sanctuary for a while. Yeah. And there are, as a matter of fact, several pastors have said they feel like their church has grown even though they're not seeing it because people are surfing and they're they're watching their services. So I think that's going to be a part of our future. I've Several pastors have said we're going to continue to broadcast our service using FaceTime or whatever because we've reached people. So in that regard, I think there's going to be perhaps maybe some increased participation. I think the smaller church, I think the more intimate church is going to be more the rule. Uh, I really do feel like small groups is going to be a part of, of, of the change. Uh, I hope uh, this whole thing of discipleship, where you read your Bible and, yeah. and you pray and you have this, this one-on-one uh, intimacy with God that may be um, not happening because we have the community so much. I'm hoping that's going to grow out of this. Sure. I'm praying. One of my passions, again, is missions and going outward, the mm-hmm. journey outward. And this COVID time has made that very difficult. A lot of our mission trips have been postponed, canceled. Uh, this Saturday, we're going to deliver furniture to, to some, some needy families. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can, we're going to have to leave it on the porch or put it inside the first room. That doesn't give us much chance to really talk and, right. and even hold hands and pray with each other. So I think we're going to value some of these things yeah. <laughs> in a whole new way, and I hope they're just going to grow and, and blossom. Yeah. So, um, But I do think 
I do feel like we're going to get back to the more smaller community-based church. And I think it's going to change. And I think we're going to put more into less time. And we're probably not going to gather uh, as much, but we're going to make better use of the time we do gather. I always kind of like to close with a good question, but uh, tell me, I know we kind of talked about you caring and talking, encouraging uh, your pastoral staff, and I think you already kind of alluded to this. Is it important for for pastors, uh, whatever position you may be, to get away, to spend time away, to recharge? Is that really important? I think it's invaluable. I would add to that, I, I think there's three, well, I, I can't, I always say three because that's a three-point sermon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even preaching all the so time, but it's you get three. That from seminary, there's probably yeah. four or five, Kevin. <laughs> um, but I think, let me just put this in, in the order. I, I think this this very personal getting away time with God, whether and I think daily it needs to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got to do that. We've got to do that. Uh, I'll share this because my pastor in Northern Virginia, Neil Jones, was probably retirement age when I started at that church. Mm. But he would he would have at least yearly a little short retreat where he'd go pray, and he might have even fasted. I don't know. Yeah. But I dreaded when he came back because God would give him these visions of new <laughs> places to go. He'd come back all excited about, hey, man, the Lord's laid this on me. And, right. And, but it 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 energized us as a staff. His re-energizing energized us. So I think that personal time's important. The second thing that I think is important, and and this is my passion, staff meetings. If you have a staff, and if it's not staff, you need church leadership that get together and pray together mm-hmm. and really share, not just the calendar and the stuff, yeah. but let's really have the intimacy that that's part of being family, the family of God. And if you don't have it, I have a network called Beard and Sequoia United Ministries. Mm-hmm. A couple pastors, and some of them have retired now, that we get together once a month and we just, well, we're not having lunch right now. Last week we Zoomed, but it was still, it's a group of guys and, and there's two female pastors that meet that their their prayer support and their fellowship yeah. um, to have some folks that you can share your burdens with and pray for each other is invaluable and i find that pastors we sometimes kind of get our little bubble and it's it can hurt yeah. it can hurt us really bad and we can have moral failures we can have all mm-hmm. kinds of things because we're not connected in the way we want our members to be connected sure. so and and then the other thing that i think is keeping that balance i know one of the balances for depression is trying to find a way to go outward, look outward, do something for others. Well, I think that's important for church health. Yeah. That balance of inward journey and outward, um, whatever it is. If Right now, if it's just writing cards and letters, that's still outward. Find that balance, and that, that helps a lot with depression and this inner thing that can really suck you in a, into a pit. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you coming, taking the time just to share a little bit about the challenges that you uh, walk through in your journey, as well as just the challenges uh, taking care of a congregation, trying to meet their needs, and then ministering to your own staff, too. I think that's vital. And and, and just your your experience uh, of, of 30 years' experience is, is amazing that you can share that with us. So I appreciate you doing that. Also, I'd like to thank our audience that are listening today to our podcast 
If you're listening on iTunes, uh, please leave a comment or follow us, and uh, that will help others to maybe be encouraged to listen to this great resource. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Mark or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope as you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.